Hey guys, Joe Miles here with ICO Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail Podcast. We're going to be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're going to step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. All right, guys, welcome back. Mission Whitetail, episode number 37. Can't believe it, 37 in the books. Got our buddy Adam Hayes back again. He is a regular host now on the Mission Whitetail podcast. He's going to want me to start paying him before too long, I'm sure. Yeah, where's my check at? (laughs) We'll get that coming to you, buddy, I promise. All right. Uh, So what you been up to, man? Just trying to... uh deal with this heat wave right now man it's going to be mid 90s up here all week and i'm just kind of camping out for the week in the air conditioning getting stuff done in the house getting ready for my first trip i leave next wednesday for my first time are you doing bear and whitetail up there or just bear um i'm whitetail hunting but i have my bear tag from the spring mm-hmm. so. so but you start september 1st so you're going to be doing a bunch of scouting I'm going to be there, you know, a day and a half early and I'm going to be there for 10 days. So it's going to be kind of a, I think it's going to be kind of a scouting slash hunting trip. Gotcha. Yeah. Alberta place you've been before one of your pro staff guys. It's a good spot. Take them outfitters, Bonneville, Alberta, some pretty close to the Saskatchewan line around the cold Lake area. Yep. I was surprised, man. I looked at the forecast up there and it's like 60s during the day for a high and 40s at night. So it's going to be a nice, comfortable week of hunting. What? I mean, you just teed up a uh, shameless ICO plug. We're going to have to get you that new late season vest and let you try that thing out while you're up there. Yep. I put it on my wish list for Santa this year and I'm still waiting for it to show up. You see how short my beard is right now? I got a lot of short. to do before I can get back to Santa. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, man, I got a buck last night. Um, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina uh, river swamp buck. <laughs> Those <laughs> was, elusive creatures. Yeah. The elusive uh, river swamp buck. Yeah. And, um, this year has been a little bit odd as far as pressure in, in the area. Uh, our hunt club has gotten real aggressive this year early for some reason. And we had 10 or 11 members down there two days before the season started getting running all over the woods, putting stands up and cameras and it just kind of wrecked it. And then, you know, I've got the neighbor's property, my lifelong best friend since I was two years old, he, he lets me hunt his farm and, I was able to get over there and I found a, a real pretty 10 point and it was a four-year-old. And then I, I had this big eight that's a, at least a five. And I went down to the trade show in Georgia, the Perry, uh, Perry, Georgia Buckarama went down there for that trade show, left at like four o'clock in the morning, got down there for the trade show so I could leave at noon to get back to hunt. And I get back to hunt and I text, uh, my buddy's brother and said, I saw his truck in, in the like shed area. I was like, Hey man, I'm headed over to this area to hunt. Just letting you know. And he goes, 
man, you're not going to believe this, but I've been in there with a bulldozer all day moving trees and stumps around. <laughs> We're talking about 2,200 acres of land. You know, he could be, he, I mean, just the chance, I mean, it wasn't his fault, obviously, you know, he, he just, but the, well, I guess what I'm saying is keeping a good attitude, right. It'd be real easy. You know, I just kind of laughed that off and, you know, went on about my way. And of course I didn't get any pictures of that deer. So shifted to this eight point who had been pretty nocturnal uh, one daylight picture of him. And uh, then boom, he popped that evening. I kind of got run out by the bulldozer and got in there the next afternoon and killed him. So worked out good. It's uh, it's funny how every year that comes into seems to come into play more and more is that your attitude is just as important as anything else. It man, it really is. I mean, I, so obviously I, I hunted that afternoon and I could hear the bulldozer and I could basically see the trees moving, but sometimes that farm equipment doesn't mess with them, but it, it really did. I mean, yeah. nothing showed up and, you know, I, I was frustrated, you know, I'd driven all the way back from that trade show, but you know, it obviously wasn't his fault. I mean, my goodness, they give me permission to hunt on their property and, you know, I, I should have just gone somewhere else, but you know, the next afternoon, you know, I got in the stand early and, you know, had a little bit of a breeze. It was 94 degrees, 60% humidity. So it was still really hot, but little breeze. I was in the shade and it, I just like, all right, I'm in the game. My, my complete mindset changed, had a doe and a fawn come through, saw some other bucks kind of feeding out in the cutover. And then uh, right at dark, he came in and was going to a big cornfield and was slipping through there and, um, you, you know how we talk about having your, your bow set up and your system set and setting a standard and everything that I have on my bow came in to play everything I've been working on for five or 10 years on trying to get it dialed came into play. Yeah. I mean, I mean right at dark. So my top pin being green that you can see the absolute longest, my top pin, it was at 22 yards. I could see my pin. Um, my peep sight was big enough, three sixteenths to let enough light in so I could see him. steep, steep quartering away, but I had two minutes, you know, two minutes of shooting light left and I uh, was able to shoot one right behind his back hip and get all the way up in there to the opposite side shoulder with an exit. And, you know, without the right broadhead, without the right era combination, um, you know, he, he ran out into a giant two-year-old hardwood cutover after I shot him and probably went 400 yards. And, you know, having to blood trail him, if I hadn't had that exit wound, you know, in that big two-inch hole that blew through him, you know, those, they would, I would have found him, but it would have been the next day and he would have been spoiled and I was able to follow the blood and, and yeah. you know, it took me about two hours, but I found him and it just – you know, we, we talk about setting systems and, and putting things in place. And, and then, you know, that's kind of your standard or your benchmark. And then you just improve on that, you know, little things you can add and improve. And, and that it really, everything came to light with, with that one opportunity and you don't need it until you need it. Right. Yeah. And it's situations like that, that will highlight the weakest, weakest link in your setup. Yeah. You know? And I, I tell guys a lot of times, man, don't uh, practice to get it right. Practice till you can't get it wrong. I mean, you got to be that dialed in because that's that makes a difference. You know, when it's too late to do anything else about it, and you just got to rely on your instincts and your equipment to get it done. So. 
yeah, I mean, you, you've got what you've got. You're not changing anything right then. You know, right. you, yeah. you've got what you got and, and you got to go with it. And literally it's so funny. I was looking back at my, you know, Instagram story. I try to post stuff on that every morning with what I'm doing to prepare. And I had, I had literally th that week worked on, I'd taken, I've got those little miniature Reinhardt elk targets and I'd taken them and turned them as, I mean, almost, but to me to work on sneaking arrows right past that hip. Now, obviously that's not the ideal shot, right? And, and the quartering two shot isn't ideal. You want a better angle, but it's a killable shot. And if you can make it and you practice it, I mean, we're talking 22 yards. So, yep. you know, all those little things, they, they add up practicing yep. that little stuff that you think's mundane over and over and over again. It's important. Yeah. We don't live in a perfect world and, you know, probably count on one hand how many times everything comes together perfectly you know and you get the perfect shot I mean yeah you got to be you got to be ready for the unexpected and for a worst case scenario and yeah that's what that practicing is all about man and it looked like a great deer yeah for for down here he, he's definitely the most mature one I found I ran, ran a ton of cameras um you know for about three weeks trying to locate something it's hard for us to do a whole bunch of long-range scouting especially when they've got we've got a hill that we we can hunt that a, a guy has a hunt another hunt club on and he plants some some corn up there and when it's corn the whole thing is corn so we can't glass a bunch of beans and they don't do any um i guess summer food plots on, on these properties so it, it's tough, you know, it's, it's, yeah. so you have to rely heavily on cameras and you're constantly moving them. And then, you know, we get muscadines and the pawpaws and all that to start dropping. And, um, you know, when that fruit starts going, man, they spread out. What is a muscadine and a pawpaw? <laughs> That's some redneck slang for some <laughs> fruit haze. <laughs> I don't think I have any of those in my backyard. You probably don't. Muscadine is a wild grape. Um, it's just a wild grape that grows down here, kind of in the southeast. And then pawpaw is a just a, a bush. It's almost almost looks like a pear fruit. And yeah. um, when it when it starts dropping, they're real sensitive. Like they rot really fast. Yeah. But I, I think they go through there and and hammer them pretty good. And then you know, there's plenty of brows and those cutovers and and then the sawtooth acorns. They're gonna start hitting the ground here in about two weeks. So. It's tough, but it's a lot of fun, man. I, I was talking to somebody today about it. I, you know, they're like, man, you, you hunt in Ohio and Kansas and, you know, you, you, you're looking at bucks that are, you know, 150, 170, you know, you, you're chasing around those and then you want to come home and shoot a 115 and 120. I just don't get it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, man, it's home, you know, that yeah. it's, it's all relative. Yeah. It's all relative. And it's a different, it's a different environment. And, and I love it. I, I got no problem. It probably helps to get you ready for everything else too, doesn't it? Man, it, it does like getting your pack dialed. Um, yeah. uh, you know, you know, you skimp on this or, and I was telling, um, <laughs> I was telling Lucas or Rendell or somebody today about my truck right now. It looks like world war three hit it. I mean, I've wrecked it twice on swamp roads that were wet where I slid off the road and hit trees I'm just trying to get to move a camera, you know, or, or get one and put new batteries in it. And I had to get there. And then the inside of it with monster cans and battery boxes and uh, lifelines and sticks. I mean, it just looks like a nuclear bomb went off in that thing. Yeah. Take a day and get yourself organized. 
I, I do. That's exactly right. But you know how it is when you start. I mean, when you get in the game and you're on a couple bucks and you know that the neighbors are hunting hard and doing crazy stuff, you, it's just everything's out the window. You're you're a mm -hmm. madman, fixated madman. It's 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 nuts. And I know a lot of the guys listening are the same way. You know, they when it's time to go, it's time to go. Yeah, next uh, few months is going to be balls to the wall. That's it. It's going to mm -hmm. be crazy. All right, so what's your plan in Canada? I mean, I know you're going to be um, – I mean, kind of give us a play-by-play -play with, you know, for guys that maybe are doing a trip like that. You know, kind of you've done this a bunch. What what do you do? I mean, what have you learned up there, and what is your what's your tactic there early season? Well, this is going to be my first trip up there early. Um, I bow hunted up there two years ago last part of October so I've not been up there for you know the opener yet but you in and I hunted up, you and I hunted up there a few times for the opener yeah I mean in other in other areas I'm talking about this oh, oh gotcha. area gotcha. you know Clay's got um you know he's got a lot of big timber um his big thing is running you know trail cameras back in the in the big timber on you know trails and scrape lines and pinch points you know around lakes and that sort of thing and then you know he does have some farmland so you know I normally don't hunt much early uh, mornings and early season but I think the plan is to hunt his spots back in the timber in the mornings and then I'm going to focus on the ag fields in the evenings you know the red moon hits I think the second day of season so I got like know a full week of red moon hunting nice. and um, all the all the ag is really close to his house too where he lives so um you know he's been keeping an eye on stuff and glass and fields in the nights and has got eyeballs on a few deer in the crop fields you know they're out in the canola and the peas like you know you've seen when we've been up there in the past so oh yeah that's kind of gonna kind of be the, the game plan um He's got, you know, a few bucks in that 170 to 180 range. Have not had any, you know, giants show up yet. But, you know, th this time of the year, end of sep or end of uh, August, first part of September, you know, bucks could just show up that have been on a summer pattern somewhere else. So it's going to be going to be interesting, going to be fun. I can't think of any place I'd rather be going. No, I know, man. I'm jealous. It, it, and they, they're going to hold their velvet up there till what, September 10th? They, they start coming out then? They're going to be, you know, they're going to be shedding about that same time I'm up there. Yeah. So they are could, here. Could be in velvet, could be shedding, could be hard horned. Hard to say what, uh, what, what we might see. Yeah. I'm probably going to shoot over to Kentucky. Uh, that's kind of my plan right now. Uh, Craig, who you've met, uh, our buddy out there, he's he's got a few around, but it's going to be a, a scout fest, I believe. Um, yeah. And then I've got that property that uh, Bobby and I looked at and set up for the rut. Now, didn't you tell me that Bobby and you were just hanging out? Yeah, he was. Um, he was in northeastern Ohio here recently to do a um, seminar and he was coming right by my place. I mean, within 20 minutes of my house. So we had a little miscommunication on what was happening, but we ended up hooking up and uh, meeting for lunch and got to visit a little bit and chat and, 
Nah, he's <laughs> Bobby is um he's a different character, man. Super good guy. You he know, he loved really to have would love to get him on some of my properties I hunt in um, Illinois, you know, to scout him with me. I know you've done some scouting with him on some of your stuff in Kentucky, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was good, good to meet up with him. I've actually got this um, longbow that I had made probably 2007, 2008. I had a custom longbow made because I wanted to take it up to Canada and bear hunt with it which I did and I shot a nice bear, but I took that thing to a trade show. I'd actually forgot how long ago it was, but back in 2011 and I had uh, Barry and Gene Wenzel autograph it for me. Yep. And I, uh, uh, Bobby's one of the other guys I wanted to get signed that thing. So I was able to throw that in the truck and take it and have him get it signed. So that was cool. That is awesome. Yeah. He I got a few other people I want to get it, get it signed by, but yeah. It was good to catch up with him and he's doing good. Yeah, he, he's getting after him. Else. Yeah, he's he's something else. Is he is he got somewhere he's gonna start early or is he gonna wait to the rut again? He didn't mention anything about starting anywhere early. I know he did mention that um he drew a Kansas tag. So I was giving him all my uh drop pin locations for those farms that you hunt. So you know pretty <laughs> I, I figured I, there would be nothing less coming from uh -huh. your own X other than yeah. my ordinance out of boy. <laughs> yeah, he, he bought my bought my lunch and slid me a little cash if I came off some stand locations. So yeah, he might he, have some company. He's gonna go uh hunt with Seymour. Yeah, that's right. We're we're actually about to head out there um out to Seymour's to do a little prep work. Um, we're going to act, we're going up to that mobile road show up in Iowa, uh, Friday and Saturday. And then month next Monday week from today, go to Seymour's for two or three days to get stuff prepped out there. And I'm going to go back out to the tracks and see if I can locate something out there. Just crushing me that I can't hunt Kansas this year. I know it's, it's nuts. I mean, how this draw is done. I mean, I literally the last three years in a row I've gotten drawn. So I know next year there's no chance. You've drawn every year of the last three yes. years? Yep. Three in a row. Wow. Yeah. I've drawn once in the last three years. So figure Crazy. that out. Yeah. Crazy. Well, let's let's shift gears a little bit and seems to be on most social social media outlets youtube technology and hunting baiting and hunting uh, where the industry is headed um, where do you draw the line there, there's so much to unpack there uh, you know there's there's cameras that are coming out now that that have ai in them that you know if you get 15 or 16 pictures of one particular buck i don't know maybe two pictures whatever it, it can predict for you what kind of weather you need to hunt him on what kind of wind direction you need to hunt him on and where you need to hunt him. Um, so it's, it's it, and you know, there's, there's all the drone stuff and flying drones and seeing buck beds and wh where in your mind, where does the big reset come in or does it? I don't know. I mean, seems like every year you're always thinking what else could they possibly come up with, you know? 
And this whole AI thing just came out of left field this past year. And, you know, we've even been looking at it for some stuff with the moon guide, but I mean, who knows, you know, where it's going to go. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you'd have never dreamed of the stuff that was going on right now. So I think, you know, you're probably going to see a lot, you know, a lot of big changes within the apps. I mean, we're working on some stuff, like I said, with the moon guide. The, the thing that really concerns me, though, is what's going on, you know, with the current administration and their, you know, the people trying to do away with, you know, they've already done away with the cell or the cell cameras on public land in Kansas this year. Yeah. You know, they're trying to take archery out of schools. I mean, it's, it's going to be a constant battle just to fight for, you know, what we currently have. So I'm not sure where it's going to go, but it doesn't look good. No. I mean, obviously from a political uh, perspective, but I mean, more of like an ethical, like, is there a point where, Adam Hayes or Joe Miles or whoever says, all right, you know what? No more corn, no more text cams. I'm going back to a recurve. I'm going to put my stand on my back. I'm going to go in the woods and I'm going to hunt. Um, you know, my, my, my thought process for, for the last probably five or six years has been, I want to use everything I can to my advantage text cams, cell cams, whatever. If I could do it, the, the the most efficient compound bow, the best broadhead, the best arrow, the best sight, the best range finder. Um, and so I just wonder, you know, I talk, I go to a lot of these shows now and I used to not do that. And, you know, with Osseo, we're, we're at just about every outdoor show and you're seeing I don't know if it's a bro movement, but, but you are seeing guys that are starting to, you know, branch away and start shooting some longbows, start shooting some um, recurves and, and get away from the text cam and the corn piles. And, you know, even Seymour talks about that. You know, he talks about going back to more of a pure hunt. And I just, I'm interested to see where that goes. I mean, I, I think I would, you know, I, I still do some of that. I mean, I, I still use the most modern compound. I don't have a recurve per se, but I still really enjoy just throwing a stand on the back and going in the woods and finding a place to hunt and scouting. And I mean, that, that's a, that's a lot to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, I was just thinking about that earlier when I got your email about what we were going to be discussing today. And it got me thinking about, you know, I'm excited to get back from Canada to take a few days to go over to Illinois and, you know, put a couple uh, cameras in my bag and to stand on my back and just scout, you know, hit the woods and look for fresh rubs. I mean, you know, you know, mid September, you know, there's going to be fresh rubs everywhere that were just made. And it's such a great time to uh, do that, you know, kind of pre and in season scouting to get, you know, find the freshest sign. And yeah, just, it's exciting time of the year. For me, you know, and as far as that other stuff goes, I mean, the big debate on, you know, corn and baiting, I mean, baiting has gotten to be a necessary evil in Ohio, you know, I guess if it was up to me and I had my choice, it wouldn't bother me if they did away with it just because you have to do it. I mean, if you're not doing it, you, all your neighbors are going to be pulling your deer. I mean, so you just, you got to do it. And I think... I don't know. I I'm not really big on the 
pull corn piles and cameras over them and just waiting them out to show up. I think it's getting away. And I think a lot of guys have gotten away from, you know, the scouting and the hunting and it would be nice to see guys get back to the, you know, the woodsmanship that it takes to hunt these deer down. And I mean, I don't know. I just personally, I would like to see them do away with the baiting. I mean, it's probably going to make a bunch of people mad, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. And that's, that's like butts. Everybody's got one. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm no exception. Play by the rules, you know, but but you're right. You know, if you're in a bait state and it's not so much about bringing the buck to the corn pile because you and I both know the chances. I mean, it happens every year, but the chances of a really big giant buck coming into a corn pile in daylight, you know, if he's five, six, seven years old, you know, unless he's following a hot doe, it isn't real good. But the point is if you're, if you don't have all the does on your place, if they're on the neighbors eating out of their corn piles and corn feeders, that's where the bucks are going to be too. Yep. So it's a necessary evil. You, I mean, you, you've got to, you got to do it. Um, or, it's great for inventory, you know, just knowing what you got. And I wouldn't be opposed to maybe, you know, being able to bait outside of the season. And then once season open, maybe cutting it off. You yeah, know, supplemental like, supplemental yeah. feed. Yeah. So, yeah, it just, it, it's an interesting topic that seems to be getting a lot of, a lot of attention now. And I guess a lot of it's in the media, um, you know, with the, with the cameras getting closed down and they talked about Kansas um, they're going to be voting on Kansas being a non-bait state. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember that. Did Seymour send you that um, article? M maybe he sent it to me and me and a couple of buddies here in South Carolina, but apparently there, there were rumors that, that it was, you know, going to be voted on during season. And now it's going to be after season. They're going to have like a town hall or something and listen to people and then maybe talk about doing a vote. At least that's the article I read, but I mean, who knows? Yeah. Huh. I did not hear that. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me though. No. And, and again, it, it, the rules are the rules, right? There, yep. There's, there's legal rules and there's ethical rules and everybody makes their own decisions about, about how they're going to hunt and what they're going to do and who are we to judge or whatever you do, what in, inside the confines of the law and do what makes you happy. Yep. It's for everybody. Yeah. No kidding. All right. Let's switch gears again. Tell us your schedule, Hayes. What does your uh, hunt schedule after Canada look like? Well, like I said, I didn't draw my Kansas tag, but I did draw a um, archery tag and a gun tag for Illinois. So I'm planning on spending um, quite a bit of time over there this year, depending on what happens on my scouting trip mid-September. We'll, you know, determine what I'm going to do for their opener. I mean, Ohio opens a few days before Illinois, because we open on the last Saturday of September. So you got a little window there before Illinois opens on the 1st of October. So, Sorry, guys, a little technical difficulty there, but we're back. Adam was telling us about his season. He's going to be over in uh, Illinois doing his stuff over there. And then you're planning on obviously doing stuff at home in Ohio. What's cooking in Ohio? It's some uh, pretty nice deer on my – home farm that I've been watching this summer was hoping one of them was going to make a good jump and be north of 170 but I think the two I've been watching all summer are like right there 160 165 so still really good deer mature deer you know I'm sure one of those deer is going to die on opening weekend between me and my nephew 
And then uh, I had two really good deer show up last year, the last week of um, last week of August for one. And then the other one showed up second or third week of September. And they were both, you know, 150 class deer. So, and I know they both made it because I got pictures of them both um, after season closed. So going to be interesting to see. I'm sure they're on a summer pattern in the beans somewhere see you know if one or both of them show up here and what what they look like so um yes i mean alberta for the opener um and then between ohio and uh illinois for october just depending on what cameras are showing up and then i do have a opportunity to get down to kentucky this year so um i don't know if that's going to be in october or november kind of have to play that by ear with the guy that i'm hunting with and then um, outside chance on Texas, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Uh, what What about you going to Mexico with me? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's gonna be fun. It's gonna be me, you, pork chop, Lucas. Um, I think that's it. I think it's gonna be yeah. us four. So Lucas will have the camera so we can get a bunch of team 200 footage and we can see if he can spot and stalk a javelina and catch him with a knife. There's, we'll get all, we'll get Lucas doing all kinds of stuff. Out there. We'll get him a Mexican senorita while we're down there. <laughs> uh, he's as red as a fire truck right now, buddy. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your schedule look like? Um, well, I had I had high hopes in Saskatchewan, but it doesn't look like that's going to play out. Um, guy found some deer, just not in the unit that he can hunt, so no no big deal there. Um, hunting at home, you know, kind of check that box, but keep cameras going and trying to get Jack on a buck. He started bow hunting this year, so going to do that, and then um, probably go to Kentucky and mess around with Craig. I, I feel like it's going to be a glorified scouting mission. He, he lost his big bean farm that where you and I put all that mineral out that time, he lost that farm. And that was really kind of my go-to to do some long range scouting and lock in on one early. And, but, but, you know, it's Kentucky, it's in Trigg County and there's giant deer there. So anything could pop at any time. So yep. probably head out there. Uh, and then really get Kansas set up, you know, the lease that you and I have in Ohio, um, kind of monitor that and then um, that other little track in Ohio and just really kind of hunt at home, be on a holding pattern and, uh, you know, rut unless there's something giant in, in Kansas. I mean, in uh, Ohio or something, I'll be probably in that funnel on the tracks in November and hopefully something big will come bebopping through there. So I don't really have you know, a, a big target buck that I'm going after in the Midwest this year. And, and, and I kind of like it, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of this angst and anxiety about what's going on. And it's kind of going to be like Christmas, you know, what's going to, what's going to pop up. And, and well, last year I had a big deer everywhere I was hunting and ended up, you know, they all disappeared. I saw one of them one time and then he disappeared. So yeah. I thought I had the perfect season last year and a perfect game plan. And that, you know, by the end of October, that all went right down the, you know, the crapper. So, and I ended up killing a really good deer late season. So I'm in the same boat, man. I haven't seen any giants and 
I'm just wondering if maybe that might not be the ticket this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, but, it, you know, it goes back to our original conversation, this attitude, right? You keep. It seems like I, 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 this is a conspiracy or or whatever, but it's it's like they can sense that negativity, man. When you're in the oh, yeah. street, you're like, I shouldn't be here, da, 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 versus I'm locked in, ready to go. It's it's attitude. It's time to be at one with the woods. Yes, <laughs> be an Osseo owl. That's what it's time to be. I love how Andre said the other day. I was talking to him, and he said. You got to be, and I didn't even think about this. He said, you got to be some kind of a marketing genius. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, because every dadgum time now I'm in the, in the woods and I hear an owl, I think about Osseo camo. And I'm like, you know what? That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. And sure enough, last night I'm in there and, you know, I get settled down, everything gets still. And all of a sudden they start cranking up and I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. There ain't nothing like hearing that first owl in the evening getting fired up. It's just like. It's like, here we go. It's yeah. time. They're hunting and we're hunting. It's yep. Exactly. One of the coolest sounds in the woods. It is. What What about, Um, I keep bumping around on you here and I'm sorry not to, I'm ADD kicking in or something, but what, uh, any new stuff that you're trying out this year? Any, any new broadheads or arrows or anything new that you're, you're messing with or tweaked or played with? You know, actually, this is the first year in eight years that I have not shot a Hoyt carbon bow. Went with the Venom. BTM. BTM, yeah. BTM this year. First aluminum bow I've shot. And everybody on the team says the exact same thing that I've been thinking. It, that's the best bow I've ever shot. It's quiet. Um, the carbon bow always seem to be you know just a little bit noisy probably because it's so much lighter but uh it's it's just super quiet super smooth super forgiving love the way it shoots um yeah and i don't know if you've seen that new uh what do they call it it's not gunmetal gray it's um it's a new new gray color some bat battle worn gray, I think, is what it was. It's good, and it's it's the it's not only the best looking bow I think I've ever owned, but I've been shooting better than ever with it. I just love it. So yeah, I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to get the VTM a little bloody here in the next week or two. Yeah, new equipment goes. Um, it's funny you and I had a conversation a couple years ago about that Garmin site, and. You know, those things aren't cheap by any stretch of the imagination. And I tried one last year and loved it and have it on my RX-7. And man, I struggled for a couple months debating on whether to pull it off my RX-7 and put it on the new VTM. And I went ahead and bit the bullet and just got another one because I like it so much. So. You got two of them now. You're dialed and you got a backup. You're ready to roll. Yeah, I've, I've, uh. I've been in that situation before during season where something, you know, something happened to my bow and, and thank God I had a backup all ready to go. So you just never know, man. And you, you just got to be prepared for anything. So without a doubt, man, I mean, it, you know, that afternoon hunt, you know, you get in there in the morning in the dark and you don't see that a broadhead's nicked a string or a cable and you're on a giant and you know, that afternoon you got to go to the bow shop and you could have killed him. Yep. Uh, 
like not having a spare release in your bag. I mean, that's an avoidable problem, you know, to have two, two releases. Um, th those are just little things that, that can make, you know, all the difference in the world. Yep. Backup batteries. If you're running a range finder, you know, just, you never know when that thing's going to die. Change all those batteries. Now it's August change out your batteries. Yeah. Got extra batteries for everything. My backpack. Um, yeah, but as far as new products go, the only other thing I can think of is I'm, I kind of switched gears this year. I've still got the, um, 0.75, the, the small lone wolf custom gear stand yep. to use for my mobile setup on hanging hunts, but I'm kind of been switching out some of my, um, old lone wolf stands for that new 2.0. It just seems like, I just like having that extra space on the platform anymore and that 2.0 is i want to it's comparable to the old alpha the mm -hmm. big lone wolf stand i think it might actually be just a little bit wider but i just like having that big platform and being able to move around i mean ever since that giant got past me in illinois a few a few years ago you know one of the biggest i've ever seen in my life and i could not get around the tree because i didn't have enough platform to move i just you know, why not? If you're going to hang something, you might as well hang a big one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, in all my like rut funnels and permanent sets, I've got those old original lone wolf stands. That, that's what I, I put in there. And, you know, here, I don't know who I was talking with about this the other day. Our mo my mobile setup is kind of quasi mobile because my office is literally 10 minutes from where I hunt. So if I'm going to go that afternoon, you know, I get intel from the afternoon or before I'll go down there in the middle of the day, hang the stand, get everything prepped and ready, go back to the, sh go back to the office, take a shower and then be back in there to hunt that afternoon. Um, mm -hmm. cause it is so hot here, man. If you like right now, if you, tr you can do a mobile setup, you know, you can ha hang and hunt, but you will be drenched. I mean, yeah. pouring sweat. And so it's, it's, it's hard to do, but I, I, you know, those old original lone wolves, man, I've got a bunch of them still from, you know, back in, back in our day when we, that was all we, all we ran. Yep. Yep. Hard to beat. They are hard to beat, man. And I'm interested to see, you know, it seems like in the stand industry, there's a race to the most expensive lightest stand possible. <laughs> right. I mean, do you, do you see that? I mean, I mean, I, it, I see that race, and then I see this um, this race to have the uh, to have the the lightest. It, it's almost like the minimalist thing with these new saddles. Like, how what's the least amount of equipment I could use to get up in a tree? And I just, I that ain't me anymore. I tell you that <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't me. Well, I know just, some guys that have switched to the saddles and love them, but I'm just, yeah, you ain't going to catch me doing that. I'm yeah, comfortable with what I got and used to it. Yeah. And I am too. And I I've used the, I've used saddles in Texas quite a bit because those trees are so gnarly. And sometimes you're only four or five feet off the ground and you really don't have a limb to put a lock on in. So I've used the saddle in, in trees that I couldn't get in. Um, but what, I guess what my point was about the expensive stands is I wonder if somebody's going to come out with, you know, like a more affordable, maybe it's a little bit heavier, maybe it's a little bit bigger, maybe it's not cast aluminum, maybe, maybe it's not, uh, it looks like now things are going to carbon fiber, you know, may, maybe it goes back to, 
uh, we, we might see a, a good quality lock on stand for under $200. I, I, maybe I'm, I'm wishing in the wind here, but it would be great for some permanent, for some guys, you know, that we're going to have some permanent sets to have a little more affordable stands because five, 600 bucks a stand is expensive, you know, for a mobile setup, I get it, but for, you know, you're going to have five or six permanent stands. God, they, they, that gets, that gets expensive. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that sometime soon. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> uh, wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, myself, as far as new equipment, really the only change, I've got the same bows I shot last year. Same The um, V3X, same bows I shot last year. And... I did go with that new black gold dual track sight. It's got the vertical pins, the two vertical pins versus like the three or four horizontal pins. Absolutely love it. Uh, it it's uh, top one is zero to 30 bottom one's 40. And then I've got holdover for 50, but then I can dial all the way out to a hundred with the top pin and just love the clarity and the bulletproofness of the way that thing dials and resets and it's got micro adjustment on it. It's a, that's a good site, but that's really the only thing, only thing that I've changed uh, with, with all of my setup. I have looked into these aiders. I, I bought a bunch of these aiders for the mobile setup, you know, where you, you hook these ropes and stuff where I'm probably going to get my ankle caught in and somebody's going to find me upside down in the woods. But um, yeah, th those cableators for the sticks. Yes, th yeah. they make sense to me as long as they stick out enough. But um, those things have got nightmare written all over them for me. Yeah, I was like maybe just on my first two sticks. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going three and four. I'm not having those things on there in the dark. I have a hard enough time finding my way down a tree after dark with a regular stick, let alone trying to find a cable aider. <laughs> speaking of speaking of crazy stands, I talked to Scott Baker yesterday. He he was well, by text. He was sending me some pictures, and and we were catching up. hadn't talked in a long time. Do you remember some of the stands that guy had? Um, oh my god yeah yeah he had one that i nicknamed the jungle gym <laughs> it was literally like trying to climb a freaking jungle gym oh forget about getting down i mean i I thought i was going to stay in the tree all night i just couldn't do it yeah i mean eventually i just did like a fireman's thing down the lifeline i mean he was like put your foot on this root and your one on this twig and yeah down past yeah. The twist this way put your left is like playing a uh, twister, you know, yeah. twister tree stands. Oh man. <laughs> he's a good dude. I really like Scott, man. He's, oh, yeah. he loves to hunt as much as anybody I know. And one of the hardest working humans out there. He's, he's a good dude. And some of the prettiest property I've ever been on. God, that farm's gorgeous. Beautiful. And he knows every deer on that place knows where to kill them. And it's, it's odd to me because he can go in there and bump those deer and it doesn't really bother him. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've, I've never seen it, you know, like that. I, I don't know if they're used to him or what the deal is, but, you know, go in, bump a deer, shoot over its back. Two days later, another encounter with it. Mm -hmm. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Something else, man. He's got quite a place up there. It's beautiful. Just, somebody needs to send him a bunch of, a uh, bunch of ladder stands or, you know, Climbing sticks and stands because, yeah, 
the jungle gyms he's got for setups. <laughs> that, you know, he does that uh, framing or, or barn building, and he walks on those rafters in the ice. Oh, yeah, he's used to being 40 foot up in the air and not having anything to, you know, stand on or brace yourself. So it doesn't bother him at all, but, you know. It freaked me out. We, we yeah. hung one where, you know, he could get the webbing of the – strap on the sticks into the little vice that holds it you know into the little thing that you you cinch down the mm -hmm. was in there and that, that was how big around that tree was he goes oh it'll be fine and we're 28 feet up in the tree <laughs> up on scott we are not fine buddy if yeah. you are if i fall out of here i'm in trouble yeah I 220 pounds brother i'm gonna break something bad well, I think he's uh, he's fallen enough that he's got enough um, scar tissue build up. I don't think he's going to break anything anymore. I mean, he's <laughs> uh, he's one baby. he's one tough dude. He is. He is indeed. All right, let's uh, running on almost an hour here. Let's talk about any early season tips because obviously that's what we're getting into. Early season. Early season tips, early season tactics. What are kind of your rules of thumb on things you do, don't do? Um, fire away, and then I'll I'll follow up with anything that maybe you don't touch on. You know, I'm kind of um, I don't want to say I'm shifting gears, but I'm probably a little more focused on the food early season than I ever have been before, just because I've got my own farm now. And, you know, I've got the corn and the beans up, but I'm, I really think I've got a good game plan with um, having multiple food sources that are, I guess you'd say, peaking right during the opener. You know, the, the soybeans are still going to be green. Um, I've got some late season alfalfa that I planted that just should be prime for the opener. Um, we're doing a new project with the White Hill Institute this year for their winter peas. Um, planted, uh, planting some fall food plots with the winter peas and doing a cover crop with their their imperial oats to give those peas a little bit of a you know cover so they can get established. Because I've seen in the past, in the past, white tails will just you know wipe those peas out as soon as they pop. So you know, got just actually got some of that stuff planted um down at the least too this this weekend uh down south so just really focusing on having everything just peaking and right you know for the end of september early october and hoping that uh i feel like where i'm at that's probably gonna be my best chance to kill these bucks that i'm watching here at home um you know once the rut kicks in man who knows where they are and i normally lose a couple mature bucks every year during the rut because they take off so really focusing on the food early season and just having you know all the different things you could possibly have that deer are going to want just peeking right at you know right for the opener this year that's yep. kind of my game plan for ohio yep i think you know you know ohio right there on your on your home farm whether you're traveling to kentucky you know I, i've got lots of buddies from here in south carolina that are jacked up about going to kentucky um, some guys going to Nebraska, North Dakota, everywhere that comes in that that first of September. I think the main thing, and and you can call it mindset, is 
you're going to see bucks hitting the ground, right? And and good for those guys. They're locked in on those deer. They kill them. Early season is so sensitive. Don't force it. You know, don't force it, man. If you've got that deer out there and you've seen him two afternoons in a row and you somehow talk your mind into that wind's going to be good enough when you know deep down it's not, you can't force it. Don't, don't, that, that's the big thing because when, if he's a grown one, a big mature deer, and you get out there and you force it and he gets a whiff of you, it, the early season is, it's over. Yeah. You know, it, it is, ab I mean, that's when they are the most vulnerable, in my opinion, and also th th they get switched on immediately. Yeah. Right. And they will, they will just not come out till after dark. Yep. So th that's a, that's a, a tip. I, I talked on that on the mission whitetail season update, I think last week about, you know, you're going to have four or five of your buddies and you're going to see Instagram start filling up with bucks. And you're like, yeah, I got to get in there. I got to get in there. I got to get me one killed, man. It, it is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, if it's not right and you don't have a perfect plan to execute, man, stay out early season. You know, wait until the rut and get in those funnels. And then, yeah, man, sit all day and get in there and, and get after it. But early season, it, it's got to be like a sneak attack ambush. Yeah. That, that's my opinion. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think the um, early season is such a great opportunity to kill a specific animal. But it's kind of like, you know, mid-October, when you get into that October lull, they're still doing – they're still doing the same thing every day. And they're so predictable and patternable, like you say, that the trick is they're doing it in such a small area that, you know, once you go in there, you know, you got one crack at them and it's pretty much done because they're not moving that far, you know, from bedding to feeding. I mean, hundred yards in some situations, yep. you know, maybe even a little less, but I mean, hundred to 200 yards for the most part. And I mean, those deer are relaxed as they're they're gonna be because they haven't been hunted, you know, for six months. And it's such a great opportunity, like you said, to kill a big deer. And there's gonna be some big ones falling, you know. And we got a red moon the first week of October this year. You know, if you can be patient enough to wait and stack the deck, you know, good wind, good moon, and maybe on top of that, if you're lucky, get a good weather pattern that's gonna increase activity for that night man when you start lining up two or three three things on the same night you know that's the perfect storm for big deer and yeah you don't want to you don't want to um go in too early and blow them out of there because you just wait in a couple of days for everything to line up and be perfect you know don't let the pressure of social media get to you and just because hunting season is open you got to be hunting man you got to hunt smart smarter not harder and such a great opportunity early season. If you really, you're patient, wait for everything to line up and go in, you should be able to get it done the first time. But it's it's tough because, yeah, they're not, they're doing the same thing every day. They're so predictable, but yet they're doing it in such a small area that you're going to get one crack and it's probably going to be over. And every time you go in there and don't get it done, it just keeps getting tougher and tougher. Well, so 100%, man. And, okay. you know, just to add on that with early season two, and we we can wrap things up, but the the other thing is your exit. 
right? Early season, how are you getting out of there? Guys, you got to have an exit strategy because those deer are going to get out in those beans and how are you getting out or, or, you know, wherever you're hunting, they're going to get out and they're going to be feeding. And maybe the, the deer you're after came out and he's 50 yards out of range. You couldn't get a shot at him, but he's, he's 200 yards away and it's getting dark. I mean, what's your plan? How are you getting out of there? Um, you know, if you can have a farmer come bump for you, um, who was it? Was it, was it Bill Winky or some guy that had a remote, a remote control car that he would run at him or something like that? <laughs> uh, you know, I've heard of guys uh, using coyote calls to clear the field with coyote calls. Um, the, the worst thing you can do is climb down, right? The worst thing you can do yeah. is climb down and let them see you do that. And they go, oh boy, season's in. Yeah. Um, so have you a, an exit strategy on how you're going to get out if you don't get it done on that sneak attack? And and um, it's it's not going to be ideal. Having the farmer come in there and bump's not ideal. Blowing a coyote call or snort wheezing or, or whatever you do, grunting real loud to, you know, kind of push them off. It's not ideal, but it's way better than yeah. just coming out of the stand with your hat light on and walking across the field to get out of there. That, absolutely. That's, that's ruined many a, many a big deer. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a perfect example. Last year for the opening week in Illinois, it was on – a giant eight with big drop, you know, one of the biggest bucks I've ever been on over there. And first, first week of season had him come out, you know, just, just lost my camera light, you know, and he comes out and I you know, lost camera light. Can't film him. He's right there though. Watch him feed out into the beans. And I sat in that tree for, for, you know, for an hour and those deer hadn't left the field. And I think I ended up sitting there another half hour and, went completely the opposite direction had to crawl through this big thicket to get out the back door and have the farmer pick me up on the back side of the block but i mean you got to do everything that you can think of to keep those deer from knowing that you're there so yeah that's yeah, a that's a huge have a plan mm -hmm. yeah that's a, i mean that's that's so important um and i i see it you know like at our hunt club you know, this time of year, I mean, season's in, rifle season's in, guys are going and the four-wheelers getting cranked up right at five minutes after dark and, you know, they're pulling out and, man, you talking about cameras going dry. I mean, <laughs> these deer have been pushed already and it's just five days into season. Yeah. So it's, you, you hit the nail on the head. You hunt smart. Think about why you're doing what you're doing. Yep, absolutely. I'll think of, man, that's our, that's your biggest advantage over these old bucks, man, using your using your brain yes sir what else you got hayes i was just checking my notes to see if i we missed anything that i was going to mention um yeah not much really yes yeah, really it's going to be launching um a new apparel line for 200 here in a couple weeks Oh yeah, I like that. I got to get one of those hoodies, man. I like that. Yeah, Change we're gonna have go up a little bit, clean the logo up a little bit. Looks good. Yeah. Gonna have uh, four or five different style hoodies and like a dozen different hat styles. And um, as soon as it's ready to go, we're gonna launch it on social media. So we'll be sharing it. Yeah, let me, know. let me know when you get it up and going. I'll I'll share it on all our stuff. Absolutely, guys. If any questions or you 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 know confused about something i want to dive in deeper you know hit adam up on instagram or you know adam hayes or team 200 what's better for you man yeah the you can hit me up on social media or um 
actually the easiest way to get a hold of me is probably info at moonguide.com because I'm on that, you know, answering questions for guys, you know, any time of day or night. So cool. That's probably so the best way. Get Adam up info at moonguide.com and Joe Miles Hunting on Instagram. And um this it's it's time, guys. The season is here. It's it's amazing how fast it came around this year. Summer just vanished. Don't know where that where it went. Can't believe it. It's Can't already believe we're a week away from getting started. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Awesome. All <laughs> right, buddy. We'll always enjoy it. We'll do another one real soon. Uh, I'll be talking with you. And, um, yeah, good luck up in Canada. And we'll get you some of that clothing headed your way, I think, tomorrow. I think the truck got here today. So, we'll be getting nice. right tomorrow and the next day. So, good deal. Good, All right, man. Thanks. All right, brother. Thank you.